Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go <laughs> into the Marvel Wikipedia and edit Whatever it is. Doesn't get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to a exciting, stupendous, gelfling-rific episode of Fanholes Comics. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, and I am joined tonight by one of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin. All right, so yeah, we're we're actually here. This is this is precipiced upon the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance series from Netflix dropping. We have no idea when it's going to drop because Netflix is all cagey and and secretive like that. But we did think about maybe trying to do some kind of tie-in episode, and so between myself and Justin, what we came up with was there is a 12-issue miniseries that is related to the Dark Crystal, which is called The Power of the Dark Crystal. We decided that we were going to go ahead and discuss that tonight. Uh, just for now, I'll, I'll let Justin give you like the full background on it. But for this 12-issue comic book miniseries, the author is Simon Spurrier, and the illustrators are Kelly and Nicole Matthews, and they've got a lot of cool... Um, covers from Jay Lee, so most people will recognize his name if they are reading comics like good motherfuckers. So, you know, we, we, we've got that going on and everything. But yeah, so so yeah, that's basically what we're here to discuss. It's Jim Henson's The Power of the Dark Crystal, and I guess what I'll do is I'll kind of let Justin give you the, the kind of brief kind of solicitation synopsis for what we're about to talk about. And we, we may go into a little more detail between the two of us on sort of the, the backstory of, of how this kind of miniseries came to be. And then, you know, like always, we're, we're going to discuss the shit out of this. So let's get to it. So what I have is I stole the kind of a synopsis from the uh, three trades from this off of Amazon. So I thought they were fairly concise and I didn't want to like spend you know, 10 or 20 oh, yeah, minutes yeah. discussing like So anyway, the power of the Dark Crystal. Years have passed since the Dark Crystal was healed and peace was restored to Thera. Though Jin and Kira have ruled as king and queen, they have become distracted by power. The planet is sick and those on the surface of Thera are not the only ones affected. 
A mysterious race of creatures called firelings live in a realm near the planet's core, hidden from the Gelfling and their kingdom. A young fireling named Thura is tasked with stealing a shard of the crystal to restore power to her world. Along the way, she'll befriend the young Gelfling Kensho, conjure the Skeksis, the Mystics, and embark on one incredible adventure. Jin and Kira's greatest fear has been realized as the crystal is broken once more. The evil Skeksis have returned, eager to regain their cruel dominance over the world. But as the Gelfling and Skeksis battle for control of the Crystal Castle, Jin pursues those responsible for breaking the crystal. On their own and on the run, Thura and Kinsho must stick together as they journey across the wildlands of Thara if they are to make it to the Fireling home deep beneath the planet's surface. While they come across faces new and old on their quest, they are unaware of the threat following their trail, the Chamberlain. After the odorous journey across the strange lands of Thura, Therma has returned to her homeworld of Amithra. Just as when she began her journey, she is now alone, having betrayed her only ally. But as Therma attempts to cast aside her guilt and affection for Kinsho to complete her mission, the two are reunited. Kinsho has not given up hope that their worlds might both be saved. If Thara and Mithra are to coexist, these unlikely heroes will have to reconcile their differences and uncover the secret that connects their two worlds. All right, so that basically, in a nutshell, is the long and short of Jim Henson's The Power of the Dark Crystal. I know we, we kind of started talking about this before we got on the air, but essentially this is like one of those books kind of like like when Avatar Press would do like the some of the original Frank Miller scripts for RoboCop or you know they would they would do I guess you know they, they would have like different screenplays that never really saw the light of day that might have been alternative interpretations of certain films and so this for a long time Power of the Dark Crystal I guess was in development you know it was in pre-production as a film and it was intended to be a sequel to the Dark Crystal that was set like 100 years after the original film and like I, I kind of, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm a fan of the original movie, and I, I think I took note when I would see these kind of blurbs about that. I mean, that that must have been probably what, like back in 2005 or something when they first started talking about that. Yeah, I think so. And like, I mean, I, I kind of noticed it, but you know, it's like everything else, you know, you kind of take these things with a grain of salt. I mean, you know, there was a cyborg movie slated for, for DC. So, you know, we, we all know how that turned out. Right. So like, you know, you kind of, you kind of hold your breath until you actually see some of these things, you know, either start shooting or, you know, you see a movie poster or a trailer, you know, then it becomes a little more official. Right. And so, you know, yeah, you, you saw some, some, I guess, you know, design art you know pre-production art and stuff like that but it seems like it never really got further than that stage like at one point i think gendy tartakovsky was tapped to be the director on it and then i think later he got dropped from the project or basically got tired of waiting for the ball to get rolling and then i think somebody else like was going to be the director for a little while and you know and then and ultimately it seemed like even though fans kept asking about it and everything it seemed like you know basically it, it was not going to get off the ground as a a feature film but it looks like this series here basically is is what 
became of that. I guess they adapted, you know, original screenplays and treatments. You know, I, it sounds like they sort of combined some some drafts together to make their own story. I guess, but it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what your take on the whole thing was, but I kind of. I kind of got like a sort of like a Force Awakens vibe from it, you know, like they're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to introduce, yeah. they're trying to introduce a new set of characters, but they're still trying to be sort of faithful and loyal to the original characters who are now kind of crusty and old. And I, I had this weird thought in the back of my head where I'm like, there are puppets, you don't have to make them like hundreds of years old, <laughs> you know, like they, it could be that yeah. they just, you know, show up, uh, yeah. you know, the very next day and, and, and go from there. Right. But in, in this case, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, I guess you've got the, you know, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher puppets of Jen and Kira because they're all kind of wise old, you know, king and queen rulers, you know, and like, I don't even remember, like may, maybe I'm just a, a casual Dark Crystal fan and I think I'm a mega fan of the, the movie or whatever, but I mean, I, I don't really remember Thra or Thra or Thura or however the fuck you say it, but like the T-H-R-A, like the name of their world, like I don't ever remember that being discussed in the film, like maybe it was in the screenplay or something, but anyway, so so there's that, right, where uh, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, so they're talking about that kind of stuff, and then I guess, you know, I guess for all intents and purposes, your, your new Jen and Kira are, you know, the Gelfling Kensho, who kind of sounds like he's a Japanese Gelfling or something, and then you've got Thura, which, again, confused me to no end, because I'm like, is she named after the fucking planet? Like, wait, it's Thra and Thura, and, you know, like, that that got confusing to me, but having said all that, I mean, maybe I was just in the right frame of mind to read this or whatever, and I, I always had the feels for, for Jen and Kira when, you know, I was a young, young kid when I saw The Dark Crystal, uh, you know, briefest backstory about that film i think my mom let me play hooky from school so we could go see the dark crystal on like a monday and i think she took off work and i took off school and you know we weren't supposed to but we did and we both went to the (laughs) movies and watched the dark crystal and like that's you know that movie has a pretty special place in my heart just because it was a movie i saw with my mom and because i loved the movie. I mean, the the puppetry was beautiful. I thought it was super awesome. I mean, it's it's one of those films where you know when I look back at wh- when I was trying to come up with that you know best film per year you were alive you know type list when that meme was going around Facebook. I mean, when I stumbled into like 1982 and 1983, it was like oh holy crap! There's like 40 movies here that could be on that list, you know, and and one of them certainly was the dark crystal you know because that definitely had a a huge impact on me and i i really really did love the film i love the music in it so i guess having said that you you might be hard pressed to win me over with a sequel i think a lot of people were concerned with you know what is this going to be like you know like that that uh, is this gonna you know maybe sully my my pristine memories of of, you know, basically you're having your little Alan Moore Watchmen flashback about how great the past was, even though you're getting raped on a pool table or whatever. And like, you're sitting there kind of going like, dude, like this was the greatest film ever, you know, like, or whatever. Like it was a really, really impactful film. And like, is the sequel now going to impact my, my view of that perfect pristine moment in my past? And I, I, I guess I'm, I'm willing to say if they had made this into a film, and even having read this 12-issue miniseries, it was pretty good. I mean, I, I think if the, the if the effort was... The reason why I kind of say it's akin to The Force Awakens was if the effort was just to sort of recapture the feels of the old film, but yet try to, I don't know, somehow 
entice a new generation into following a new cast of characters. Like, I think this would have been a good kickoff for that. Like, I, I felt like I was, and, and, and maybe even, you know, not, not to decry The Force Awakens, but I think even this, I probably was even more willing to accept the new cast of characters because it's like, okay, it's a Gelfling and a Fireling. And, like, I don't really, you know, I knew what a Gelfling was, right? But I didn't know what the Fireling was. And I could have been like, what the fuck is this Fireling shit? They didn't have no Firelings in the original movie. Like, this is bullshit. But, like, I mean, the, the, the basic plot is, is, one, it's like, just like The Force Awakens, it's kind of a semi-retread of, you know, just like Force Awakens, people say, oh, it's kind of like you're retelling Star Wars just a little differently with a bunch of different people. And, you know, instead of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you got Han Solo as the old mentor and whatever. And and so you're, you're revisiting some of the old characters. And, and yeah, instead of instead of it being, you know, the, the, you know, cast that you were used to, it's like, yeah, some of them are older and wiser and everything, and they don't necessarily play the lead role. But the idea is this fireling needs to save her home and I, I i don't know that i fully understood at first i think when i read like the first issue i wondered if she came from like outer space like i don't know that i understood like until reading like a couple issues like oh she's underground it's kind of like tarzan or whatever at the earth's core or something where i guess you know the firelings live in the center of thra or you know whatever you want to however you want to pronounce this planet's name or whatever, but they live in the center of the planet and basically they survive off heat. Like they're fire creatures essentially. And, and it's, it's getting colder and colder in the center of the planet, the core of the planet. And their prophecy apparently is that a shard of the crystal will help reignite their planet's core and, and restore the fire and everything, but the the drawback to that is, you know, supposedly, you know, at the end of the last movie, you know, Kira you know, restored the Dark Crystal to its full form and everybody lived happily ever after, so if you break the Dark Crystal, like, that's going to conceivably shatter this, this era of a hundred years of peace and I guess the more you read the book I mean, it's pretty obvious from the outset that just because there was a happy ending at the end of the Dark Crystal. It doesn't necessarily mean that the the society they live in is perfect. Like the, clearly, there are lots of flaws that they're trying to point out. Like they they may supposedly be living in a golden age, but it does look like with with Kira and Jen constantly being in the goddamn Odin sleep and not attending to the their duties as a king and queen. It's like you've got all these kind of I mean, I almost didn't even recognize them as Gelflings because they seem so sinister. They're these kind of like religious bishops or something that kind of force forcefully demand tribute for the healing powers of the crystal. You know, like, so it's like you've got these poor little podlings coming in like, my kid's sick, like, I just need him to take a whiff of the crystal like it's Ben Gay or something and fix him up or whatever. But, you know, they have to, like, give some kind of tribute. And so that's when you're introduced to Kensho, who is... I guess he's like a, I don't know, a, a, an indentured servant, like monk or something like that's that was sort of, again, was forcibly kind of detained there to save his own village. Like he kind of traded his services so that the crystal could heal his village. 
And then, then he was forced to basically live out the rest of his life as a servant there. But he actually, the only thing he had left that was his uh, uh, his own, you know, because he's kind of like living this monk life almost, was his birthstone. So he gives the podling people his birthstone so that they have something to offer in tribute so they can go in and, you know, give their, their sick kid the, the Ben Gay treatment or whatever the hell the crystal does. And, like, so, so you've got all this kind of stuff going on, these kind of background things where you're like well this perfect world isn't as perfect as you thought and then you're you're also retreading like all your favorite characters because eventually the fireling thura does shatter the crystal again so thus it brings back the skexies and the i can't even think of their names but the the little you know wisdom guys whatever the hell their names are the mystics right so yeah, so mystics. so yeah so like and, and it brings those guys back i, I read kind of an interesting article this kind of maybe jumps ahead to the end of the 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 mini series, but when basically at the end of the Dark Crystal, when the Mystics and the Skeksis get merged back together, they turn into these you know creatures of light, and then I guess you know what you're supposed to assume is like Wesley and the fucking Traveler, you know, they go off into the crystal to search the universe or be light or you know whatever the fuck they do, they go off to go do shit, right? One of the more interesting articles I read that even had a problem with this screenplay at the outset, much less this comic adaption of it, was like, well, if they went off to go be with Wesley and the Traveler, like, if you shatter the crystal, how do they separate on this plant? Like, aren't they off doing stuff somewhere else? Like, why do they, like, get zapped back and then split? Like, that was one of his things. But it seemed like he liked this comic better than what he had read in the screenplay, but... You know, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot to unpack here, and I feel like I'm I'm monopolizing everything. So I, I'm I'm kind of curious, like what what were your initial impressions, and, and kind of go into that, I guess, Justin. Read the first two issues last night, and I think after reading the first issue, I was a little unsure of this. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Mm. So I read the second issue, and I was like, okay. And then uh, today, I you know finished the rest of the series. By about issue five, I think I was pretty well into it. And then like, you know, six and seven, I was like, well, I got to find out what happens now. Like I, I I knew by that point I was definitely into it. And like you said, I also thought of The Force Awakens because it seemed like, you know, we've got some new characters. We've got our old beloved characters. The, our new characters are – they clearly have feelings for each other, and it's kind of this, you know, forbidden love that they – yeah can't even physically share yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting and they're you know they're going on a journey much like kira and jen went on their journey like they also had a, a journey and a mission to complete and they had to go through all these trials and go through weird landscapes and meet strange creatures and overcome obstacles so so yeah like force awakens was definitely in my mind and i was a little worried about that i mean force awakens is all right but i was kind of like yeah uh, yeah I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you um, weren't sure how well that would that that framework would hold up. I mean, I, I I could understand if someone's criticism of this is it retreads old ground, but I think I think that was the intent, and thus I I mean at least in that sense, if that's their intent, I think they were successful. Like you know, so yeah, and I I think it added enough new elements to the Dark Crystal universe that it more than made up for its you know, possibly re, re, you know, retrading, retrading or reintroducing old, old ground. Yeah. 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 I don't know how you felt about some of the new characters though, like Therma, you know, the Fireling. 
I I've been thinking about this and something felt off when I was reading her. And I don't know if I was doing this in my mind using a, some kind of voice or if it was just the way it was written. But like Therma, it felt like she had like a modern voice, like the mm. way she was written. And that's how I was reading it in my head. And because she has lots of like uhs and ums and she's like, don't shout at me. And she's she has a bit of an attitude. I, and I guess uh, for me, like, I think maybe just given some some personal context, which I won't go into, I, I felt like I could totally relate to Kensho because of the modern voice you're talking about. Like that, mm. you know, like you're sitting there kind of going, okay, like he, he clearly likes Thura, but there's something about her like that separates her from the world of the Dark Crystal, like because she's not like the rest of them. And like you said, she does have a somewhat modern voice. And then you do feel like, oh, man, I mean, you know, not literally, but sometimes you do feel like, dude, uh, yeah, I like this girl, but it's like playing with fire, you know, like kind of thing. And so you're like sitting there kind of going like, well, you know, like this is sort of. I don't know, like, I guess to me, like, like I, I can see that being a criticism, like, maybe she doesn't quite fit in. You know, the other thing that I thought was interesting was, I think this worked so much better as a comic book, because the character design of Thura in this, to me, at least, I, I felt like I almost had no hints of the ultimate reveal of her uh, I don't know, race or subspecies or whatever you want to refer to it as, but basically, like, there's there's a sort of a secret about the firelings that gets revealed later on, and I think had I paid attention to, like, some of this backstory about the power of the Dark Crystal, like, screenplay and, like, some of the, the character designs and stuff, I mean, I'll just kind of spell it out, but basically the firelings are an offshoot of the Gelflings. I mean, they're just kind of Gelflings that moved underground and kind of got these fire powers and you know they they fire fest instead of dream fest but i mean essentially it's like it might as well be like romulans and vulcans right like that they're having a star-crossed mm. romance and the, the vulcans light you on fire and you know whatever and 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 so so you've got that kind of thing going on and, and when i was looking at some of this pre-production art or some of these like mock-ups or whatever like to me it looked really goofy because it looked like Kira from the Dark Crystal had like Johnny Storm flames on her head or something like like it looked like the puppet from the Dark Crystal was on fire and I was just like well that looks stupid I'm sorry like I, I thought that looked dumb whereas like seeing like these Jay Lee covers where she looks like a little fire sprite like that I don't know that I necessarily you know I, I don't think it it sort of you know buried the lead for me I guess if that makes any sense yeah it's part of the time I was reading this, I was like, okay, this is based on a script, so how would they have portrayed that character? I mean, she would have been a puppet, but, like, how would they do the fire effect? Like, would, would she it just sounded, have, like... It sounded like they really wanted to do a combination of things. Like, I felt, I mean, and maybe this is the reason why it never got off the ground, but you know how, like, in between when the... Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies ended and they were trying to get the Hobbit together. I think, I think that was their window, you know, like, like to do the, mm. the CGI slash practical combo, you know, it's like you build the, the castle and you let a bunch of salt fall out of the fucking castle windows, but then you touch it up with CG and then it looks like, Oh wow, this is such a real magnificent, you know, Peter Tolkien 
castle thing or whatever. And I, I, I would imagine had this actually gone into production that it would be some kind of combination of puppetry and CG. Because they, they did seem to really want to emphasize, yes, we want to go back to the puppetry. We don't want to make this all entirely CG. We want to we want to have some aspect of the original film in that sense. And, and again, I guess, you know, to credit where credit is due, you know, like going back to Force Awakens, it's that notion of, you know, showing those San Diego Comic-Con trailers where it's a bunch of real alien well you know what i mean like you know real props real you know it's not it's not a bunch of cg you know blarp blarp bullshit it's like there's there's photos <laughs> of people in suits and 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 yeah you know they're they're in the desert and they're going there it's not like they're all on a a green screen set doing backflips and hayden christensen smoking a cigarette it's like there's there's they're actually like on site in tunisia or whatever so so to me I'm, i i get the idea that they'd spend a lot of money building or, or recreating, you know, kind of like they did with, you know, Flynn's Arcade for Tron or whatever, like spend a lot mm. of money recreating a lot of the sets from the original Dark Crystal. But then at the same time, they might try to enhance things where it's like, oh, well, yeah, maybe the Gartham are, are puppets, but maybe they, I don't know, their eyes light up in a CG way or something. You know what I mean? Like just, just mm. you know kind of a, a combination of things that, that would be put into play. Or or I'm sure you could get away with a lot more with with Skeksis and Gelflings if, say, you could have the advent of CG where you didn't always have to shoot from a certain angle or you you know what I mean? Like like where where you you know basically you could you could still have the puppet, but yet you know, you could you could walk around Java if you needed to, for lack of a better term. You know, like you could you could do certain things yeah, um, by hiding them with CG. You know, what what I thought was really interesting, and I don't know if you watched it, um, but that Jerry Anderson's Firestorm. Oh, okay. They're like that's a traditional puppet show, yeah, but I've watched some of thing. the yeah, yeah, but um, the behind the scenes is really interesting because they have you know physical sets. The puppets are physical. The Puppeteers are entirely in green, and the wires are green, mm. so they can just paint all that stuff out, and they can kind of go around and behind the puppets if they need to to right. do certain shots. And like, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been a fan of Jerry Anderson stuff, whether it's Captain Scarlet or Space Nineteen Ninety Nine or whatever. But like, I, I imagine maybe they could have done something like that if this was a film. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine it's something to the effect of you remember when we we're talking about the the Heisei Generations films, like, you know, for sure, they had a bunch of wire work going on to get guys to run up the building and kick the shit out of guys. But, you know, more than likely, they were all green wires, and they just CG'd them out. So it's like, there's, there's, I'm sure there were aspects of that that were going to be put into play where, you know, they they might have had some traditional puppetry or, 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 you know, marionette type stuff, but I'm sure it would have been a lot easier to cover up if, you know, everybody was in a, a green outfit, right? Like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then, and then that way it's like, it doesn't really matter from what angle you shoot it. Cause in post they can, they can obviously yep. clean it up, you know? So, yeah, I think, I think initially I had a little bit of, pro- of a problem with Therma's at, at least what I interpreted to be like kind of a modern, oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, voice, but uh, I eventually got into the characters like the new characters like i don't have any problem with them like what i like is that you know they're clearly they clearly have feelings for each other and they can't physically be together and then on top of that they 
each of them has a secret that they don't want to tell the other because they're they're afraid of breaking their trust that mm-hmm. they've bonded like they've you know it, it's kind of like you say it's like oh we did the movie thing of throwing these two characters together and they just quickly bonded and fell in love but it's a movie so go with it so i you know i was like okay that's that's normal but i, I really like the whole notion that like ken show has a lot of apprehensions about letting her take the oh, dark yeah, crystal yeah. shard uh, i really thought that was interesting and then the fact that she's like she tells him this what she thinks is a fairy tale about oh there's a magic pool in my world and if you enter it like you know it'll be okay like we can physically touch each other because it's magic and it'll you know it'll transform us she tells him that and lets him believe that it's real but the whole time she's like well i don't know how to break it to them but that's not real like i just really you know i needed his help i like him i wanted him to accompany me on this journey and she doesn't want to tell him that secret so i was like man when when these secrets come out like like I like I didn't want them to break up and separate. But then I was thinking about the original film and I was like, well, you know, there was a point near the end of the film where where Kira gets uh, kidnapped and they have to separate. Yeah. And, you know, reunite and save each other. I was like, okay, that that's probably how that's gonna go. Yeah, and, and I guess I guess uh, you know, to to continue these Force Awakens parallels, I mean I guess the the new fizz gig or the BB-8 of, of this is going to be the tumble off, which she calls tumbly, I guess, right. Or tumby or something like that. And so, yeah. so like you, you've got that. And then that ties into Kensho's secret, which is like, she thinks the shard of the dark crystal is inside the uh, tum, tumby or tumbly or whatever. And tumbly is kind of like a, a bulbasaurus with a shell or something like <laughs> yeah. so like it has like a mouth on it yeah and so so it's like yeah. it's like they can hide that crystal within him and and he can kind of withstand some of the the fiery areas in the, the center of the planet and, and things like that and so she's under the impression when she's you know carting around you know her new her new pet friend or whatever that she's got this crystal but in actuality kensho kind of has extracted that crystal and you know be, He's kind of covering his bets. I mean, clearly he has a thing for her, and, and but you know, it, it's interesting because it's like I guess you know you probably can't relate to being in love with a girl that's going to cost you your entire planet yeah. and world. But like yeah. world and planet, or I, I think I think it's it's kind of a uh, you know it's kind of like a parable or a, you know there's an equivalent. You know, um, basically, it, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, like your world to you is not necessarily the entire planet Earth, right? Yeah, it's just and, and your so, family and the so, people around right. you. And so, so in that sense, it's relatable because you could mm-hmm. end up sacrificing, quote-unquote, your world for this this fireling that you fell in love with, right? Like that, that could be a possibility. I mean, I mean, that is a risk, right? Like where if you, if you, if you fall in love with some girl and, and she costs you quote unquote your world, which, you know, might just be like, you know, I don't know your, your bank account and, and, and your family and, 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 you know, your job or, or whatever, you know, whatever things are important to you, you know, your, your, your personal life, you know, you, you stop podcasting, like what, whatever it is, right? Like there, there may be costs to that. And it's like, so if that's your world, you know, if those things that I just described, which are, you know, essentially quote unquote, my world going off with that fireling would cost you those things. Like, obviously he's, he's kind of, in the long game for it, but at the same time, he's kind of trying to cover his bases where he's like, I'm not, 
100% sure. And you can see he's got a lot of doubt, you know, like in, in, in the sense of, is this the right thing? Like, please tell me I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm doing the right thing. Like, you know, and, and there's that interesting phrase that like, eventually it becomes this thing that like both their mothers told them where it's like, good things happen to, what is it? Like good things happen to people. I don't know something about, you know, like good, good things happen to people who help good people or something. I forget exactly mm-hmm. what the phrase is, but it, it's something like that. And like, part of me is kind of like, that's a nice and sweet thought. And then part of me is like, lol, you know, like, like where you're just I, like, you know, Eric, do, do you think their moms are both named Martha? I, God, I hope not. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, sorry, I had to do well, that. Why did you say that name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you about this because I know you like the Jin and Kara from the original film. Like, what did you think of Jin being put in a position where his character is still true to that of the original film, but now he sees a corrupted world and the people before him, and he even has fears that maybe chasing after this shard is the wrong thing to do? I think like it's it's interesting because you're 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 getting heroic figures that you have an association with that you you know essentially like like in your heart of hearts like you probably think are noble and true and I think they still are I mean they did a pretty good job of 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 still having their their environment and their world be corrupted but at the same mm-hmm. time you know like sort of lightening the you know the the finger pointing at the two of them like i mean the worst i can i can say to them is they they have too much odin sleep you know what i mean like like really they should have been <laughs> yeah. paying attention to the you know to the world or whatever but i i mean i i imagine the 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 notion that you know i don't know somehow maybe their their love is fueling the dark or the crystal or or whatever you what kind of excuse you want to give like it seems like them being these figurehead rulers for this entire planet and, and basically reigniting the, the goodness of the planet takes its toll on them. So, so that's why they're always in the Odin sleep, basically. I mean, that, that's the excuse I would give, but to, I guess to answer your question, like, I guess part of me, like enjoyed, like the aspect of like, if I like fan aura and I like, you know, like, like characters, I like being badass. Like, I think one of my favorite things was when, Jen, like, it's like you'd think, like, all hope is lost or, like, shit is really going to go down once the crystal is shattered and you've got all these skexes in the castle. But I love that, like, Jen's just like, I got this. And he picks up the Gartham staff and kicks the shit out of all the skexes and just locks them up in prison, like, almost immediately. Because to me, like, that's somehow, like, it, it, it still gives that weight to the original movie where you're like if you if you love jen like it's uh, like to to, uh, you know and again to keep going down this uh fruity star wars analogy well that i keep going down it's like it's not like what happened to uh you know it's not jen's not drinking uh blue milk titties and all this other stuff like he's actually doing some cool things i think i mean yes there are the people that are gonna say oh well you kind of paint him in a in a bad light, you know, like, whereas it's like almost like he's, he's the antagonist to some degree because he sort of has to go after the people that have the crystal and, and are trying to have the, the good adventure and everything. And, and there is the, the commentary of like, oh, you know, you're using the Gartham, which terrorized like all kinds of 
people on this planet as your attack dogs, you know, so, so there is that, that notion that they deal with, but at the same time, I, I kind of thought that he, he, the way he used those to, you know, round up all the Skeksis originally, you know, was, was really cool and basically sort of gave him his, his, his due respect, I think. And, and, and my other favorite part that I think gave Kira her due respect was once I think the, the, uh, Skeksis had, had, um, I think, I don't know if it was Chamberlain or whoever. So somebody had, had Jen and, and, and I, I love the part where Kira's fluttering down with her like army of Gelfling, like flyer assassins where she's like, you know, basically like, you know, let the fuck go of my husband now, you know, like, and I was just like, oh, this is badass. Like, so like both those characters, I think sort of got to be, to me, acceptably, you know, like they were not the main character, you know, and, but, but I, I don't think I ever felt like they made the originals lose face. And thus to go back to this whole, you know, these phrases that people toss around casually, like, you know, this, this new version raped my childhood or whatever. Like if we're going to go down that stupid road, like th- this interpretation of Jen and Kira did not rape my childhood. Like I did not, I did not go back to my, you know, my, my special watchman memory place. And, and it, that did not ruin those old classic, you know, it didn't tarnish those old classic memories. Like they were still to me, like this, this interpretation, like it, it's a little different and maybe not entirely what I was expecting, but at the same time, like it didn't tarnish anything, you know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I kind of still feel like this is Jen and Kira just removed a hundred years. There, there was a moment when I was afraid Jen himself was going to be corrupted. And I mean, it was a cool image, but then I was like, Oh no. But like, He's riding atop a Gratham. He's got that scepter that controls him, and he's wearing this kind of black armor. And I was like, "Ooh, that's a nice visual." Then I was like, "Oh no!" Like he's, I was like, he's about to go down a dark path mm-hmm. and get corrupted by all this, like you know, Gratham and like Skeksis, like garbage that's laying around. And and then kind of like you said, like there was a point where like you know the podlings are, are fleeing or whatever and they're like you know the only monster i see here is you like you're riding a gratham they're like they tried to wipe us out and i was like oh yeah like you you need to tread carefully jen because you you like you're gonna fall to the dark side on the dark crystal planet or whatever but like you know kind of like you like i felt like they managed to do some new things with the character and also stay true to it i i was afraid that Jen was going to have some kind of like Han Solo on the bridge moment, but I'm glad that that was avoided. Like I was afraid that he was going to like get stabbed by the Chamberlain and get tossed into the lava mm. at the plant's core or something. I was like, please don't let that happen. But I was like, oh, like thank God, like they didn't go in that direction at all. I mean, I think I, I think if I had any criticism of this, I think I think Chamberlain was pretty much paint by numbers. I mean. Like, mm. I mean, you know, he's kind of, yeah. he's kind of the star scream of the original movie, but it's like, I mean, yeah. but it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like the minute they bring all the Skeksis back, it's like, you know, they, they get to be fully clothed. And then it's like not two panels later, they rip up all his clothing. So he's back to being the, you know, please, friend, help, please. <laughs> you know, he's, he's back into that mode where he's just fucking homeless bum Chamberlain who got kicked out of the castle and is trying to like, you know, scam 
you know, young kids, basically. It's like, it's like, we want to be friends, please, yes, please, <laughs> woo, woo, you know, and you're just like, all right, like, I don't know, to me that was kind of quick and paint by numbers, so it's like immediately yeah. he's, he's, you know, and it's like, it's like, okay, he's a smart guy, right? He picks up on the notion, he's like, shard, shard is power, hmm, I'm gonna follow you, hmm, you know, like, so it's, it's true to the character, but mm-hmm. I, I just kind of, you know, I don't know, like, like it just seemed like he immediately went back to, you know, homeless bum Chamberlain and didn't even get a chance to, like, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like I, I kind of thought that maybe they didn't know too much what to do with the sketches other than what had already been done with them. Because it's like you, you got a scene with the guy who uh, gets the uh, essence you know, and, and then, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of, you know, I guess like, I always thought, you know, cause I described Chamberlain as Starscream. It's like, I, I kind of wish they did a little more with the general, like, like why wasn't, you know, why was Megatron underused in this basically, you know, like, like he, he doesn't, he doesn't do a whole hell of a lot, you know, like, so I, I just, I thought that would have been more important for some reason. Yeah. Like, like once he gets that, um, Gasling essence, and he becomes young. I was like, oh, well, he's gonna do something now. Like he's got his youth back, but he really yeah, doesn't. he doesn't really. I mean, it's like they they don't. It's like they're back, and there's this sense of danger because they they use the crystal to manipulate a lot of these corrupt bishops that I was talking about that I almost didn't really recognize as Gelflings. And then, you know, I, I guess, I, I mean, you know, again, like, if you think about it too hard, a lot of this sequel unravels. But, like... I hate your whimper! I, another thing that that article that I talked to you about where they were questioning, like, you know, Basically, where did the creatures of light go at the end of Dark Crystal? Why do they come back to be separated for this story? Like, that doesn't quite line up. The The other thing that's kind of interesting is, where did all these other Gelflings come from? Like, I wondered about that, because I was like, yeah, Jin and Kira were, like, you know, basically Adam and Eve. Yeah. So did they, like, Adam and Eve the whole planet over 100 years? Yeah, like, like the, I don't know. Like, that, I don't think that happened. Like, I mean, you know, you could make the supposition, like, just like, you know, Superman being the last son of Krypton, and then everybody and their fucking brother and cousin shows up from Krypton after a while. Like, you could conceivably repopulate the Kryptonian species with all the, you know, DevMs and, you know, like, other other Kryptonians that show up from the Phantom Zone or what whatever exceptions to the rules you have. So it's like, yeah, maybe maybe there were some Gelflings in the Phantom Zone or, you know, whatever excuse you want to give, like that they didn't notice right away and, and maybe they weren't really the last, you know, man and woman, you know, from the Gelflings. But I you know. I guess it was kinda of like Highlander, there's always some other asshole asleep in a cage yeah, somewhere that, you don't that know that about. Wants to be the one that you didn't know about. I mean, you know, yeah. but again that 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 you bringing that up like does raise my ire just a little bit, you know, because you're like, come on, man, like, you know, you're supposed to be the last and then you're not the last, you know, and it's like, I get it, you know, they want to tell a story, but, you know, that's, that is something that's kind of. Do you think it would have been better if Kincho were Jin and Kira's son, maybe? Huh. That would be interesting. I mean, and and then the conflict would be a little more 
way, you know, personal, personal and yeah. weighty and, and kind of what I described before, like your world, quote unquote. I mean, your mm-hmm. mother and father are quote unquote your world, right? And if you're if you're sacrificing your quote unquote world, your mother and father to be with this fireling girl, you know, and, and going against their wishes, like don't break the crystal, you know, and, and it could have just been like podlings and a bunch of other people from the planet, you know, that were the the foot soldiers, right? It, it doesn't have to be you know, other Gelflings, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that 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 might have been a tweak that might have made more sense to me, you know? I want to talk about, like, the the problem of, I guess, the crux of the story. Okay. I, I kind of figured out what the problem was, maybe the first or second issue, because, okay, in the film, the Dark Crystal is hovering over this seemingly bottomless pit. Yeah. And in the beginning... Of this story we see it's been filled up with um offerings to the crystal and i was like well there's your problem like they filled that thing up with crap and that's why the you know mithra is going cold and i was like well that's too simple mm. well get to like the last two issues and like that's what happened i was like uh i kind of wish i was i don't know dumber and <laughs> hadn't thought of that maybe i don't know i don't i don't, I don't know maybe that, the, that i wish the writers were smarter mm. I, I don't know that that immediately occurred to me, but, you know, when, when they revealed that, I was kind of like, oh, I, yeah, okay, I, I see what they're doing. Like, that's that's fine. I mean, you got to understand, like, this was probably written for four to eight-year-olds, right? I mean, yeah. so so it couldn't be, it couldn't be, like, super-duper complex, right? Like, like it, it, it sort of had to be like, you know, oh, that's the life lesson, you know, like, corruption, you know causes problems that you didn't even realize you had i mean because other otherwise otherwise it would have been this weird thing where like she she fulfills the prophecy by like doing a star trek discovery jump from like 40 million like universe zones or something like i mean you know what i mean like then then that gets way too like sci-fi and complicated like where you have to be like a you know a rocket scientist to like understand like the 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 solution to the problem like i think i think they wanted to make this like basic and obvious because that was the problem with i you know i mean i i guess that's supposed to be the life lesson right like if you if you live amongst and within a corrupt society you can become blind to the simplest of solutions you know like may, maybe that's that's what you're supposed to impart from that even on an adult level much less you know a four to eight year old level you know like that that yeah okay it was obvious to you from issue two like from the get-go pretty much right but in universe like these people were so oblivious you know like these 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 corrupt gelfling uh i don't know uh bishops or whatever they are right these these uh you know men of of uh you know power or whatever that that you know thought they were doing some kind of noble you know uh religious thing these you know they thought they were so pious and 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 awesome you know they they effectively created their own problem i mean i mean they're just as guilty of the world getting destroyed as you know i guess thorough would be for separating the shard from the crystal right because if they hadn't have done that then there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place you know but i don't know i mean you know obviously this is you know one of those fable fairy tale things and if if they hadn't have done it then you wouldn't have this story and there wouldn't have been like this relationship between kensho and thura and and you know that you wouldn't have you know kind of the the uh 
the kind of story you end up having. I, I, I think it's funny that, like, basically, like, by the end of it, like, I, and I think it was probably designed to continue the preservation of, of, like, Jen and Kira, but it does seem like by the end of it, it's like, all right, we're going off to join Poochie in the Crystal, and, like, so you, you'll never see us again type thing, but in some sense that, like, sort of preserves them from this point on, unless somebody tries to pull them out of the crystal, you know, but yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know what to say about that other than, yes, you're right. Yes. It probably was obvious. Did I get it as soon as you did? No, I didn't, but you know, maybe I'm not as smart as you, or I just wasn't too concerned with the, <laughs> the reasons why, like I was just kind of like more into the, the sort of the, the romance and the, the, the secrets, you know, the, the, the kind of tortured soul type stuff that they were, you know, they were kind of going through, like, that I kind of, you know, enjoyed going down that road with them and, and the adventures and everything. And, and, and then, you know, like I said, I enjoyed seeing some of the, the familiar characters get their moments of, of bad assery or whatever. I mean, even even Agra probably has, like, good moments. And, you know, like, she, she, she kind of talks to the, the quote-unquote royal guards and, you know, has her good little bits. I mean, I could definitely see Frank Oz, you know, doing the Agra nonsense again you know like that kind of thing yeah. i mean that was something that i did think about where you, you know how i always have those conversations with you like even when adam west was still with us and they were doing those animated batman movies and it was with him like i i still got the sense that it's like okay well yeah but it's like 90 year old adam west like so it it doesn't you know i know everybody's like oh it feels just like the show from the 60s and i'm like well that's not that's not entirely true. You know what I mean? Like, like there is something that's yeah. slightly off where you, you see a youthful, you know, 35 year old Adam West Batman on the screen, but you hear the voice of like a, a 90 year old. So it doesn't, it doesn't quite line up. You see a hot, sexy 30 year old Julie Newmar, but then, you know, you hear like the 70 year old Julie Newmar or whatever, you know what I mean? And so it's like some of those things to me don't quite line up where you can't go home again. And like, I, I gotta be honest, I don't even know who, who voiced Jen and Kira, but I imagine even if they got the original actors back, kind of like Greg Berger trying to do Grimlock, you know, in, uh, in all these power of the prime things, it, it, it would sound a little off, even if you lined everything up perfectly with, with casting. So I, you know, part of me wondered, would they recast those characters? Does it matter? Do they need to sound like the originals from the film since they're so old? Like, I, I don't know. I think I think for the Skexes, it would have mattered. I mean, if you didn't have the guy doing the, oh, please, yes, <laughs> like, I, I think that would have affected the, the Chamberlain thing. But I think most other people were pretty open, you know, like, you, you didn't have Fizzgig show up that much. So I don't know how much that would have, you know, it's like you had you know, Tumby or whoever instead, you know, so it's I, like... I, I felt kind of sad that Fizzgig was all, like, old and completely white. I was like, oh, he's he's so old now. He probably can't <laughs> run around and, like, bite people. He's like, he's like old Fizzgig instead of being like... <laughs> he's like... <laughs> but, yeah, like, I I had been kind of saving this. Like, I remember reading a, a blurb about this series on Newsarama or somewhere, and I was like, oh, cool, like that. I hope it's good. And... You know, I was getting the individual issues and I was kind of saving them because I wanted to kind of like discuss them with you at some point. So I was kind of like, I was like, man, when are we going to like get around to reading these? Mm -hmm. Like, like, I'm really like, I want to read these and I hope they're good. And ultimately, like, I really enjoyed this. Like, I, after I finished the 
after I finished the last issue, I was like, that was really good. Like, I really liked that. And I kind of, you know, there's a sequel to this called Beneath the Dark Crystal. And I want to, I really wanted to get into to reading that too, because I think that almost immediately continues where the last page of this yeah, that, uh, that's a, story that's ends. That's a Kensho story, pretty much, I'm gathering. But I kind of, the, like, the, the things I'd say about this is I agree with you. I enjoyed this. I think people that are fans of the Dark Crystal will enjoy this. I think were I reading this month to month, it would have driven me batshit bonkers. Like, I, I mm. think this is one of those things where not only should it be binged, like, I think it's designed to be read that way. I think you'll enjoy it less if you try to, you know, if, if somebody was trying to read this month to month, I think you would have enjoyed it less. Like, so, so yeah. that for sure, I think I, I would just kind of throw that out there as to the, um, the sequel, like, I, I would be interested in doing it. But, again, having said that, it's like, I think that's still, like, in progress, right? Like, that's not even it, close to being done, right? Uh, as of this recording, I think they're on issue four. And there's 12 issues. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it seems like that's going to be a while. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, if you want, like, like I said, we, we, we didn't have a, a sh- strong game plan for this other than we wanted something to to tie in to the um, Age of Resistance Dark Crystal Netflix series when it came out. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, maybe we could do a whole Dark Crystal month. I don't know that we have that in us or not. Like, I'm not really sure if we're going to do that or not, but we might. And and if we end up doing, like, the sequel to this, like, maybe we'll end up releasing it all that same month. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll, you know, release it a little later. But at this point, because I enjoyed this and Justin enjoyed this Power of the Dark Crystal miniseries, I, I, like I'd say I'm willing to uh, go ahead and do that in the future, regardless of what we end up doing with this as a tie-in, you know? I kind of wish we could timey-wimey it where we could, like, get emails of people saying, like, please, want more, talk more comics, please, yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do that better than I do. Yeah. He's, he, I mean, you know, he's he, he's a great character. I mean, he's an interesting character. Yeah. He's a good character. I just I just thought it was kind of like, come on. I mean, what, he's in the rope for like two seconds and then they tear it up? I'm just kind of like, I don't know, that that was a little too easy. Like, I think, I think they could have earned getting back to that point a little bit more, you know? Or, or if you're going to do that, like, why even have him show up in the robe then? Like, why not have him show up in tatters to begin with? Because, I mean, clearly he was in tatters by the end of the movie, right? When he merged into the creature of light. So if he's separated, why does he separate in his robes again, only for them to rip them up again? You know, like those, those kind of things, you know, it's the, it's the Highlander thing. It's like the drives me nuts. You know? Please, please, please. Jen! No! Come, please, please. Yes, please. Yes! No! Come on, Karen. No! Wait! Please? Please? Wait! Please make peace! Yeah, I guess I guess we kind of said our piece on this. I mean, you and I both enjoyed it and liked it. I mean, yep. I, I recommend it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how much somebody who, who wasn't uh, who wasn't keen on the film Dark Crystal would get out yeah. of this, you know? But but if you're if you're a fan of the film 
and and you you've read some of these things whether it's like the Marvel adaptation or like the you know the the Tokyo Pop manga that they had you know or something like that. I, I think I think if you're you know a fan of those things or the film, I think you would definitely get a kick out of this. To, to use the stupid vernacular, like this did not rape my childhood. Like I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, you know, those, I, I, and then again, you know, the, the Jay Lee, uh, variant covers and things like that. Like those are really cool. And the, mm-hmm. the interiors I think were good. I mean, they're, they're definitely serviceable. I mean, it's, it's interesting because everybody I think kind of looks how you would expect them to look, you know, so that, that I think works, you know, um, again, though, like, you know, there, there's some of those weird things where you're like, oh, well, you know, where did all these Gelflings come from? And how come, you know, the Skeksis and the Mystics just immediately come back? Because I think what really triggered that for me was like the very end when they merge again, you know, and I was just like, oh, like, it, it's almost like putting the nail on the head where you're like, oh, this is, yeah, this is just beat for beat, like the original film, you know what I mean? Like, like, even, even to the point where where Kensho gets stabbed, you know what I mean? And then, and then they, they bring them back so they can live happily ever after again, you know, like, so it's like, you know, that, you know, the, the force awakens kind of analogy that we're making where it's like, you know, uh, again, a, a, a sort of soft reboot, but also kind of a, a remake of, of the original and everything. But yeah, I, I'm kind of curious how the, the story goes from there. And, and then do you know anything about that? Is that all original then this, the, the, the up to, the power of the dark crystal. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I read up a little bit on this script, but it didn't mention anything about a sequel okay. to the sequel. So I don't know if it's original or not. Yeah, yeah. It it does have that Pellucidar vibe, you know, or the beneath yeah. the dark crystal. Like there sounds like that that'll have to do more with like the firelings and the, the obviously the unexplored parts of uh, Thra or whatever the hell you call it, you know. So yeah. All right. Well. I guess if, if you guys have enjoyed listening to Justin and I pontificating over the Dark Crystal, feel free to check out the backlog of episodes of Comics Motherfucker. Do you read them? They're over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. If you do want to send us some Chamberlain-like emails where you're like, please, more Dark Crystal podcasting, please, um, you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, uh, beyond the comics motherfucker do you read them show we've got all kinds of shows we've got transformers tuesdays mobile suit mondays toku thursdays sentai saturdays we've got big in japan where we talk about anime we've got the fan holes podcast proper which we've been doing since the outset so if you've enjoyed those shows and then we've got like the thunderbolt show justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning so yeah so if you've enjoyed this and you want to listen to more stuff that's over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com uh we can be found on all kinds of social media we've got a twiddler a tumbler a twiddler we've got a twitter a tumbler a facebook so, you know, Instagram, we've got all that stuff. We're on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. So, yeah. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. And if you're a uh, a good person and you help good people, things are going to be good. Like, I think that's how it goes. So, yeah, go be good. And this is Justin saying, I am the Emperor.
It's like, make me some pancakes, please! Yes! <laughs> Remember, kids, the lesson is don't put garbage in strange holes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's up with that? It's like place of worship, but we're gonna we're gonna put all the offerings in a deep, dank hole that seems to go to infinity. Like, what were they? How did? You, eh, that that's another line of logic that doesn't. I mean, okay, so it's blocking, the, but that hole goes all the way to the bottom of the planet. Like, how did they fill that up? Did they? I feel like they put like concrete over it or something, and then started piling shit up. That's the only way that makes sense. Some some dude was like, "Hey, where are we gonna put all this? Oh, uh, we don't need that hole. Like, put some concrete on, and then we can put all this shit there." Oh, okay. Good job, Pastor Bill. Well, you know, it's like, what? All right. Anyway. Yeah, this was good stuff. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I I know all about not being able to touch girls who are on fire. Like, metaphorically. <laughs> quote, unquote. Uh, oh, I stopped recording. I missed that. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I'm still recording. I could send you something. Right, come on.